if you guys could turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. So I must admit, um, we'll be answering the question tonight, what makes a genuine Christian? So I got to admit, it is, does bring great joy to my heart to see you guys here every Sunday. You guys do encourage me a lot in my faith. A sudden warmth and happiness comes over me. And uh, it's always so great to see you guys every Sunday. It's truly a privilege and honor to be able to speak with you tonight. All right. So Matthew chapter 7, we'll be starting in verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather, gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does, not, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that people came and were astonished at his teaching. For he had taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. <clears throat> so tonight, I hope to preach to you guys as a dying man, as one who hunger and thirsts for righteousness. Some of you may agree with me, some of you may hate me, and some of you may have their eyes opened. As you know, we've been doing much evangelism outreach in the community. And whether on weeknights or just in my own life. But as you encounter smarter and different people, it's more and more prominent that it, what's lacking in our culture is a true, ferociously discipli disciplined Christian to deal with this world's social change and climate. Let me start off by saying the only way you can get to heaven is through Christ. The only way anyone on this planet can be saved is through Jesus Christ. Many false prophets have come and gone. These men are the one, are controlled by the one that they call Satan. The book of Job's, Ephesians, Isaiah, and many more books are descriptive on what the devil is. So let me just give you an idea about what the devil is. 2 Corinthians 2.2 2. Where have you been, Satan? 
says God. Satan replies, from, go- from going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. Did you know that the Bible tells us every day to pray, pray about the Lord's Prayer? Matthew 6.13 refers to him as the evil one. The Bible does not paint the devil as a horned creature with a forked tail. That's the sort of thing that makes you laugh at him. Take him less seriously. The Bible never refers to Satan as it, but always he, which means he has a will, he has a mind, and he has a heart. And if that doesn't make a personality, what does? The Bible also talks about his thoughts, his feelings, and his motives. The devil is a being in his own right. He's not just a vague description to sum up all the evil in the world. If you think you can stand in the presence of the devil, you can't. He's had thousands of years of practice and he will take you out. As one pastor pointed out to me, there are some things, Randy, you should just be afraid of. Jesus, however, never makes a joke or laughs at him. Jesus takes him very seriously. John 12:31, Jesus refers to Satan as the God of this world. The only other person Jesus refers to as a God besides his heavenly Father. Jesus says, I am the God of everything. Our heavenly Father is the God of everything, but of this world. Satan is God, which means he not only has the power to manipulate or control science, uh, education, politics, or religiosity for his own purpose. More than that, Satan is actually the real God who most people on earth worship and they don't even realize it, even though they go to church. They still worship the things he offers them. And I'll tell you, if you want the things of this world, Satan will give it to you. He'll keep you so distracted. In 1 Peter 5.8, the Bible refers to the devil as a roaring lion, and his mouth is full of rotting flesh and dead men's bones. You may ask, why does God allow Satan to be rebellious as he is? My answer is simple. God will not force any of his creation to bend to his will. We cannot grumble about God giving the angels freedom. Though they have superior intelligence and strength, he gave us that same freedom. We've just used it in the wrong way. There are two chapters of the Bible the devil hates the most. The book of Genesis and Revelations. The book of Genesis has been attacked scholarly more than any other book. The devil does not want you to know about Adam or Eve or any of his devices. He's done his best to make it seem like fables and fairy tales. The book of Revelations, because it marks his doom. Revelations 20.10 says the devil himself will have his place in the lake of burning fire. The Bible tells us in Matthew 7 to to judge with righteous judgment. Satan will do his best to destroy you, and he will tell you exactly what you want to hear. So do you see? A false prophet will never reign on your parade. A wise old man once told me, Randy, your best friend is the one who tells you the most truth. It is very important that you read and understand your Bible. The truth is important. It's through evangelism. I've met different and smarter people. On that day, 
not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And you have no idea what that means. It's the man who stands where I am saying, Lord. It's the man who sings, Lord. It's the man who goes around to other people saying, Lord. When we want to emphasize something, we usually underline it or bold it. But in the Bible, Hebrew parallelisms are found throughout the scriptures. It's a repeating or repetition of the same common theme. As one pastor pointed out to me, the wicked will not inherit the land. The wicked will be destroyed. Those who do not abide in me, or those who do not follow my commands will not abide in me. It's not just somebody who says Lord once, but means it. Lord, Lord. Who go around telling each other Lord. Do you know how many people I meet and ask if they are born again? And when you ask them questions to see if they are in their, to see if they are in the faith and really get to know where they're hard at, they're as wicked as wicked can be. There's no fruit, no love, no yearning for purity, godliness, holiness, righteousness. These people who say, Lord, Lord, are friendly to people. This person could be you. Or it could be someone in your family. It could be someone in your youth group. It could be someone in your church. They go to church, they do all the right things, but in their hearts and in their minds, they're not changed, not born again. So, how do you know your congregation is saved? How do you know that your family is saved? How do you know that your youth group is saved? Because you don't look any different than anyone else in your church, because you don't look any different than anyone else in your youth group. Quit comparing yourselves with other Christians who call themselves Christians, who compare themselves with other Christians, who, com- who call themselves Christians, who compare themselves with other Christians. Compare yourself to the Word of God to see if you are in the faith. I am asking you to examine yourselves this evening. You at least know someone. Or depart from me, those of you who live in lawlessness. I never knew you. You want God to work in your life. You want to see some of his glory and experience some of him on this earth. Yet the television programs you watch displease him and you wonder why you aren't getting the fulfillment you need and why you have to create false fire in your life. As we learned this morning from Brian, that men are supposed to be the head of the family. And that was, I quite enjoyed Brian's sermon. But if the man isn't right, then the family will crumble. You want God to bless you and your family, yet look at how you really treat each other, even behind closed doors. How many times has Sim talked about relationships, young people? And if that young man or woman doesn't love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind, they aren't for you. Young ladies, you want to find a good man. I mean, sure, who doesn't? But are you preparing yourselves in purity, submissiveness, chastity, saying, what can I offer him? Instead of saying, what can I get out of him? And preparing his soul for Christ. Young men, why aren't you preparing yourself in purity, godliness, holiness, and righteousness, saying, what can I get out of her? Rather than saying, what can I offer her? And preparing her soul for her real husband, Christ. And being the godly man that you should be. No, no, no. None of that. 
I'm a Christian. My Sunday school teacher told me I was. How can I love that which is holy, yet live with that which is unholy? 1 John 1.6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. How can we watch the very things that God hates, listen to the very things that displease him, we laugh at the very things that God hates, and do the things he despises? How come divorce, breakups, arguments, loneliness is just as prevalent in the church as it is outside the church? How is it we love so much of the world, we walk like the world, we talk like the world, we think like the world, we act like the world? I see it time and time again, people who say they really do love each other, but yet how they act behind closed doors is disgusting. Do you not know that God will hold you accountable? for every thought and every action. And if you do not love properly, then you do not know God. I'm talking to guys and girls when I say this, but you do not dress as the sensual world wants you to dress. Now some of you probably won't like me very much after that, but you do not dress as the sensual world wants you to dress. Are your clothes a frame for your face and God is pleased? Or are they a frame for your body and God is displeased? How is it so many people can confess to know Jesus Christ and not be permanently changed? In my generation, every time someone talks about being changed and how you should live, they instantly label you as a legalist. I'm not sure about the older generation, but in my generation, that's what it is. Hey, you shouldn't wear that. Oh, he's... You're a legalist. You probably shouldn't talk like that. Oh, you're a legalist. What I'm talking about tonight is your evidence of your faith that God is actually working in your life. Then you say, my God is a forgiving God. He will forgive me. Well, yes, he is, but don't break commandment number two. Do not make a graven image for yourself, a God to suit yourself. What is the God of the Bible? Do you truly do your parts in repenting and literally turning away from sin to never do it again? Do you recognize your sin? Think about the moral judgment you have. You will know them by their fruit. Then you say, I feel it in my heart, and my heart tells me I'm a Christian. Well, have you ever read in Jeremiah 17.9 that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things? Who can know it? Well, then you say, I'm saved, Randy. Well, have you ever read there is a way that seems right to a man but leads unto death in Proverbs 14, 12? What I have discovered is most people believe themselves to be saved and confess Christ is Lord. These people do not go to church and the ones that do aren't interested in purity, godliness, holiness, and righteousness. If we were to go outside these doors into Norwich, do you know what we would find? Everyone is a Christian. And most confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And in Mark 1.24, even the devil and all his demons confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Now I ask you, if everyone outside these four walls confess, confesses Christ as Lord, the guy sitting next to you confesses Christ as Lord, then you tell me, how much do you think your confession is really worth? Well, I asked Jesus into my heart, Randy, I'm saved. Sometimes I read Voice of the Martyrs. 
And there was an account of two young people doing evangelism in a foreign country. And when they were asked to deny or stop their work, men of the village came to their house and the husband died in a pool of his own blood. All the while, his wife was getting raped until she died. And we think that we're Christians in North America because we said a prayer one time. Where in the Bible does it say, if you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, he will definitely come in? Do you know how the Bible tells you you are to be saved? Or will you be cast down? So what's my point? What am I trying to emphasize? What I am trying to emphasize is this. Look at the word. Is your life in a process of being changed into the will of the Father? Do you have a concern for the will of the Father? Do you do as a style of life the will of the Father? To renew your mind, to be sanctified, to be permanently changed. Repent of your sin, turn away and believe in the Father. The first time Christ came, he came in as a humble servant riding in on a donkey. Next time he comes, he will rain down holy fire from the heavens leading the armies of heavens as a priestly judge. Conversion is not like a COVID shot. I repented, I turned away. No, no, no. Conversion is that you repent, turn away from your sin, and spend the rest of your life repenting of your sin and believing in him. Because he that starts a good work in you will finish it in Philippians 1.6. Now spend the rest of your life repenting of your sins and believing in me. I've heard it said that the greatest question is, do you know Christ? Well, I argue that. Does Christ know you? If you were to walk up to Elon Musk and say, I know you, his secretary is probably going to wonder if you have an appointment with him. But if Elon Musk comes out and says, I know Randy, do you see the difference? Build your house on the rock. When I was a kid, I was always told, build your house on the rock and you'll have a good life. Build your house on Jesus, everything will be okay. Then why do I get exactly what he promises? Trials, tribulations, hard times. And if you don't build your house on the rock, you'll have a bad life. That's what we were always told in Sunday school, but that's being taken out of context. What this verse is saying, really, is... If your marriage is not based upon the word of God, if your life is not based upon the word of God, if you are not obedient to the word of God, then you will spend eternity burning in hell. Would you sell one of your eyes for $10 million? Any eye of your choosing? No. Would you sell both eyes for $10 billion? Well, considering how precious your eyes are to you, how much more precious is a man's soul? Do you have a desire to grow in knowledge of faith and truth? Paul Washer wrote, People say the cross is a symbol of how much man is worth. No, my friends, the cross is a sign of how depraved we really are. 
that it took the death of God's own son to bore your sin on a tree. Someone had to die, and the holy wrath of God that should fall upon you fell upon his only begotten son. And in Jeremiah we read, it pleased Yahweh to crush him. End of quote. Jesus says, whoever hears my words and abides by them, I will liken him to a wise man. So I leave you with one final question. On the day that you stand before that holy, blazing fire, will your confession hold true? Let's go to the word in, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, may we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if there are any here tonight who are still living without repentance and faith, who still are saying, Randy, I love the world, and I've been living a lie, and I want everything this world has to offer, and I go to church and I do all the right things. Father, change their hearts. If they who hear your words, choose not to obey, may we stand in the way and get trampled. May we wrap our arms around their legs as they descend into the pit of hell. If they must go to hell, Father, may they have to leap over our dead bodies. Father, we love them. Help them to see our love. Now with every head bowed, if you're going to make a commitment to Christ tonight, Don't go and tell everyone because we don't need fake commitments. In your seat as you sit, make the commitment. And if you got anything here tonight at all, we will know God is working in your life because it will last longer than a couple months. Thank you.